are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I'm very excited about the message this morning and tonight. Sometimes on the Sunday morning service, say, if you don't like the message this morning, really come back tonight. That's the one. You want to leave right now, go ahead and leave. I can't say that when you're online because you'll just cut it off right now. I hope you'll stay with us. And I hope that uh, God will use uh, the message of the morning to be a real help to us. I appreciate God's people worldwide. I want to encourage you. We need money here. But we don't need your tithe here. You have a local church. And may every Christian tithe to the local church. May you help that church these days. You know, when there's things like this going on, the first Sunday last week is normally all fired up. But then we, if we're not careful, we begin to dwindle. Here's, I said on the YouTube, was that YouTube I was on this morning, whatever it was on, I was on. I said, um, what's going to happen is that there are going to be many that say, I, I really do miss church. That's the vast majority. I miss church. I miss Sunday school. Uh, I, I miss the two committed couples class. What was that other class he was talking about? I have no idea. Tabernacle? Uh, but, but whatever it was, it was tabernacle. But I, we love our class. I walked by it this morning thinking, uh, right, uh, I wish we could be in there right now. I, I grieve for it. But there are going to be so many Christians that are going to grow through this experience. You're going to just say, I, I want to be in God's house. I want to be Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. But I promise you this, and it hurts to say it. Whenever there's change like this, there's some that maybe you are right on the verge of walking out. This is going to be your opportunity. You might even try to come back the first Sunday back, but you have filled this gap with other things already. And the devil's going to use it, I promise you that. Well, let's pray, shall we? Father, I, I love our church family so very much. And then, of course, our many friends that are watching literally around the globe today. We ask your blessing upon them. And wherever people are, give them a desire to listen for the next uh, 25 or 30 minutes. Uh, perhaps uh, it's a little bit more boring this way, I'm not sure than being in a house where people are amening in a church house where people are praising God. But I pray that we'd give our attention to the Word of God this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. The need of the hour, I don't need to really remind you, but I'm going to do my best to remind you. The need of the hour for our country today and the world is prayer. The Bible says in Luke 18, 1, and he spake a parable unto them to this end, saying that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Men ought always to pray. Uh, prayer is asking. Prayer is to crave. Prayer is to come to the aid of another. Uh, I don't mean this. Uh, in fact, the Bible uses it sometimes this way. I pray you. I'm, I'm asking you. I'm encouraging you to come to the aid. It's to make a request. And we have the opportunity to come boldly to the throne of grace. The answer right now, more than anything, is prayer. We, we need prayer. Uh, we, we need to talk to God 
more than begging for peace and for calm, and I think those things are all important. But we need prayer. The first 14 verses in this chapter, if you're looking at them there, there are two prayers mentioned. One is in the courtroom. One is in the temple. One deals with the public. One deals with the private. One deals with persistence, and one deals with pride. There are two of them there. One was a widow, and then the other one was the publican and the Pharisee. And, and if you'll notice, the, God is giving us a formula for prayer. God's desiring that his people pray. Man ought always, look at verse one, I want to refer to that many times. Man ought always to pray. Man ought always to pray. I'm speaking on one word, prayer. And I'm asking you to always pray. I don't want to come across preaching this morning like this week of the shutdown. Jack Treber is the next um, um, George Mueller, the next E.M. Bounds. My prayer life bothers me. But I tell you what, I do know this, that I have been living in a spirit of prayer. I've been finding places to prayer. I pray in my study, I pray in my office, I pray in the ready room, I pray in this auditorium. I went up to the levee on the salt flats to pray this week. Uh, this week I'll be out at the cemetery, Lord willing to pray. I'm finding places, go to my car and I just pray. And I walk around the property and I pray because America, thank God, thank God when our president and vice president, our leaders, government leaders, and thank God what nurses and doctors are doing, but men of God and people of God, we, we have a responsibility that a doctor doesn't have or less a Christian doctor or a, a president doesn't have or the Supreme Court. We are carrying the burden of this country in prayer. That's our job. That's our responsibility. I must pray. This nation depends on the prayers of Jack Treber and it scares me because Jack Treber is so weak and so frail. I was walking around the property this morning and I said, now look, God, I, I think of my sins and I think about how quickly I can be prone to whatever it might be in life, discouragement or fear, or whatever you might wanna say, or laziness or the lack of prayer. And I said, dear God, I'm not worthy to come to your presence, but I'm worthy because of what Jesus did for me at Calvary. And he said, Jack, you can come boldly to the throne of grace. I'm praying that when we get through whatever this crisis is, just not only physical crises, but there'll be a spiritual renewal and a spiritual revival that comes to the men and women of God. Men ought always to pray. What was going on in this text? What was happening? Well, you have to read the chapter before that. Because Jesus comes out and just sort of blurts, and I don't mean that disrespectfully. He begins with a parable immediately. And he said, I want to tell you, chapter 18, verse 1, men all the always pray. Why? Because he tells us. He tells us in chapter number 17, verse 26, Brother Cooper alluded to this. And it came to pass in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. And you know that in the days of Noah, they were eating and drinking and marrying. And the Bible says in Genesis 6 there was violence and they were corrupt and every imagination of the heart was evil continually. Does that sort of somewhat sound like 2020? And God says, because of that situation, men ought always to pray. He gives us another illustration, verse 28 of chapter 17, likewise also, as he did in the days of Lot. They did eat and they drank and they bought and sold 
and plan it and build it by the way that they had no time for God. We have too many investments to deal with. I marked my Bible here. I want to go back to Ezekiel. You don't need to turn there. In Sodom and Gomorrah, the Bible says they walked not after they, they, yet, yet they walked not after their ways, nor done that which was an abomination, but as a very little thing. And they said, Behold, the iniquity of Sodom, pride, fullness of bread, abundance of idleness. And God says, That's why, yes, it was for Sodom me. But he said, you have so much, you're acting like you don't need me. I'm telling you something, ladies and gentlemen, today, we need God. And what do we do when you face a crisis like Noah's day? And what do you do when you face a crisis like Sodom's day? And what do you do when it seems like all hope is gone? He said, I wanna tell you a story, a parable, an earthly story with a heavenly meeting. He said, man, hold always to pray. I found on, I think it was Monday of this past week, this tremendous article by E.M. Bounds. E.M. Bounds was uh, born on July 15th, 1835, and he died August 24th, 1913. So that's about the time you see the time frame of his life. And E.M. Bounds has written so many books on prayer. You probably have them, most of you in your library. But he speaks about praying men are God's mightiest leaders. Let me read it for you. Praying men are the men that spend much time with God. Praying men always feel the need and the desire to be alone with God. And as I'm reading this, I'm reading it to myself. But I especially read to preachers today in this country and around the world. And I read to fathers today. And of course, mothers. Though they're very busy men, they always stop at a, at a point in time for communion with God. They spent much time alone with him and have found that the secret of powerful leadership is in these seasons of special access and of grace. Praying men have a single eye. They have been so much alone with God and seen so much of his glory. They have learned so much of his will and be fashioned so strongly after his image that he fixes and he fills their gaze. All else is too for oneself, which hinders prayer. Praying men are not only men that spend time alone with God and men that are single, with a single eye. Praying men, praying men are men of one book. They feed on God's word. God's word lives in them. It quickens their faith. They rest on its promises. Praying men next are the only productive workers for God. True prayer is the working of divine force and energy that come out as too strong to be still. The work of praying men achieves the best results when done by God's energy. Praying men have his direction to do his work for his glory and fulfill and cheer at the presence of his presence, of his word, and of his spirit. Praying men are men who have done much for God in the past. They're the ones that have won the great victory for God and spoiled the foes. Only praying hands can build for God. Men of prayer are God's mighty ones on earth. They may be destitute of all else, but with the wrestlings and prevail of simple-hearted faith, they are mighty. 
The mightiest of God's church leaders are gifted in all, in all else, but with the greatest gifts, Samson showing the locks in the presence of the altars of the temple where the heavenly flame has died with his divine presence. I want to be a praying man. I want to use this time in America's history and in world history to become a major man of prayer. Ian Bounds was a man of prayer. We face questions today about this virus, and I'm not the one to tell you about it. I don't really know that much like I should probably have about it. But I hear almost every day, Brother Treatment, you think, is this a conspiracy? I don't know. Do you think it's a government takeover? I don't know. Do you think it's a setting up of the Antichrist? Well, that would have to be obvious as we see the things coming. We have so many theories that are given almost on a daily basis and so many speculations and so many ideas that I must confess I don't have the answers to all those questions, but I do have the answer what I'm supposed to be doing. Man ought always to pray. That's my job. My job is not to speculate. My job is not the conspiracy. My job is not what the government's doing. My job is man ought always to pray and not to faint. We need praying pastors. We need praying people. We need praying deacons. We need praying ladies. We need praying church members. We need praying teenagers. God has always used the privilege of prayer with his people to move the mighty, to move the mountains, to move the lost, to see power come. God is gonna use you and God is gonna, he has set us alone. They've shut down much of the country. We're to be in place almost at all times. Why don't you find a place of prayer? Individually, a man, a couple, husband and wife, a time of prayer. Children and parents, a time of prayer. Uh, God's men praying. God's people praying. Men ought always to pray. Men ought always to pray. And not to faint. And not to faint. Men ought always to pray. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. What a friend we have in Jesus. I told you that story on Friday on the uh, uh, live stream, whatever it's called. But I want you to know that you can always go to God in prayer. What a privilege. What a privilege. You're looking at a man that I've walked with God and prayed. And sometimes in the walking with God and praying, I might be on my knees and I tell you, it shows you how frail I am. I have fallen asleep on God on my knees so many times in my life. So many times I pray and I'm pouring my heart out to God and next thing I know, I'm sleeping on my knees. So many times as you probably have done as well, I, I know I've done it so much. I'm praying and I go down a road of prayer and it gets me off a side road and I begin to think on things. And I begin to get my mind off it. You know, I know that grieves me, but I believe God still pleased with the fact I'm trying. One of the jobs of a mother and a dad is to be used of God to encourage your children. Fathers provoke not, discourage not your children to wrath, 
So your child rides that little bicycle and the training wheels are off and he falls down. Son, daughter, you're doing a good job. I remember pushing our little children down the street, go along with them. We took the wheels off. And I said, you'll be fine, you'll be fine. And I'd run alongside once in a while, very often, not very often, but once in a while they'd fall. You know what? I was proud of them. They were trying. They were working at this thing. Oh, I can remember when our son Tim was young and we'd play basketball and the goal every day we'd play ball and the goal was that he could pass what we called on the driveway, the, three, the, the free throw line. He could drive, but I could not. I had to shoot behind it. And oh, I could beat him every time, but I let him make some baskets. And then the time came that we were about equal. And then the time came I could drive to the hoop and he had to shoot from back there. But I tell you what, the joy to watch a child. I'd rather be with him and see him stumble and see him mess than not spend any time with me at all. Some of us, I think, some of you dear people of God, you're so hard on yourself. Men ought always to pray, pray, pray. I think about the fact how Abraham prayed and he prayed for the healing of Abimelech in Genesis chapter 20 and God healed him and Jonah prayed in the belly of a fish. I'm reminded right now, my, my, I prayed at the church house to get saved on a, on, a, on a Sunday night. My sister prayed at our house with my mother and dad in their bedroom uh, uh, to get saved. My sister, other sister, was in a uh, uh, apricot tree and she called out to God to save her. Oh, I thank God for prayer. You can pray in the belly of a fish. Jonah did. And Job prayed for his friends. And Samson, I love it. Oh, I can't. somewhere along the line, one of us preachers around here, we need to preach it real soon. Judges 16, 28. And Samson prayed, one more time. Give me strength one more time. Dear God, one more time. And God answered his prayer. And he killed more in his death than he did in his life. Thank God for prayer. And Hannah prayed. Oh, she poured out. Now, Eli thought she was drunk. And she said, oh, I'm a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I'm pouring my heart out to God. Don't you weep for America? I love our country. I love our America. And as our forefathers, our dads and grandfathers, they in World War II, World War I, they stood for America and they loved that flag and they fought for that flag and they died for that flag. May there be a generation of men. We're not off at war right now, but there ought to be a war on our knees for this country. Would you pray that the children come to God? Would you pray that the college-age students of America would come to God? Would you pray, if you would, for the young single adults and the couples? And would you pray for the single adults? And would you pray for the, the, the families? Would you pray for the senior saints? Would you pray for the widow? Would you pray for the sick? Would you pray for those that are incarcerated? Oh, how we ought to pray! Men ought always to pray. Elijah prayed, God, send down fire of heaven. Elijah prayed, God, would you step the, stop the, the clouds from raining down for three and a half years? And God answered prayer, and Elisha prayed. And he prayed for a double portion, and Solomon entered into that temple, and he prayed, and God answered his prayer. And Hezekiah, you're gonna die, and God, God, would you please, don't let me die, let me live. I'll extend your life, I'll answer your prayer. I've seen your tears, I've heard your prayers. The Bible says, I'll give you 15 more years of life. 
and the church prayed for Peter in Acts chapter number 12, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church for him. And he came out of prison that day as God opened those doors of those, chain, those gates and he walked and he went to the door, he knocked on the door, but prayer was being made of God to God for him. And Rhoda came and, and she said, oh my, Peter. And she went and said, answered prayer, he's at the door. Thank God for answered prayer. And Jesus prayed in the garden. And Paul and Silas in Acts 16, they sang and praised God and prayed in stocks in the prison. I want you to know that in 1620, and I it was just given a book, and the inscription on the inside of the book said to my, and it said to who it was, 1853. And it's the journals about 1620 to 1630. And they give the journal of coming the pilgrims to America. The book is so frail that I opened it and about a one inch of the binding already broke just reading those first hundred pages I've read. And they said on that Mayflower, on that Mayflower they said, we are gonna make a pact together. And our pact is we are gonna bow our knee to God and pray for his guidance and his wisdom. In 1623, they were starving to death and they prayed and God provided food. And in 1777 at Valley Forge, there was a man by the name of General George Washington and he bowed his knee and he prayed for the Continental, Continental Army that God would save him and God saved him. And America was under economic strain and destruction in 1857 and God answered their prayer. And in 1918, they gathered together and said, oh dear God, please stop this World War I. Please stop it. And God answered prayer. Look what the Bible says, and men ought always to pray. We had a president, President Wilson, our 28th president. He was elected in 1912. He walked into the White House to a meeting they were having great troubles with international negotiations with other countries. He was perplexed, he didn't know what to do. And he came into that cabinet meeting with his cabinet officers and he said, man, I don't know if you believe in prayer or not, but I do. And he fell on his knees and to his encouragement and surprise, all the men in that room fell on their knees. And he said, dear God, without you we could do nothing. We need your help. These are great days to pray for our president, pray for his wife, pray for his children. I pray for their children again this morning, everyone by name. My wife reminded me yesterday that 14-year-old son had a birthday yesterday. You have a 14-year-old, I believe. What, what, a, what a thrill to have a president in the White House. All of our presidents. He's number 45, thank God for our presidents. And I want you to know that we have a responsibility to pray for him. Look what he says in 18, chapter 18, verse one. He spake a parable unto them, men ought always to pray. Here it is, not to faint. People of God, you can't fail. This country is dependent upon you more than a bailout from the government. This country needs a spiritual revival. I have been this week and this year, quite frankly, just spending so much time in the Old Testament. And I spent so much time again this week reading about Israel 
that God was promising, I don't want to do it, but you just reject me. You're going to go into full destruction. We're there. We're there today. Young preacher, please don't compromise your position. Don't, don't get off involved in all these other things. Oh, may we pray. May we learn what it is to pray. I have a question for you. And I'm all for you. God bless you. You're stuck at home. You're going to have to watch some Andy Griffiths. I know that. You're going to have to watch some things. I know that. And probably it's good to see the update from the president if you can. I know that. But I want to ask you a question. Your news. How much time on news and social media and how much time on prayer? Before this, I, I didn't know my phone could do this. It showed me I was on my phone an hour and 15 minutes a day. But that's returning calls and, and text messages. I thought, oh my goodness, that doesn't count the church phone and all that business. And I'm sure it's up to many, 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 many hours, five, six hours a day on the phone right now during this season. But I don't have the access to all this uh, news and all those things on my phone. But, but I want to say, and that doesn't make me a better person than you. I think it's, it's not time to watch more news and watch more uh, uh, social media. It's time to pray. It's time to to the God who watches o'er us. It's time to seek his face without delay. It's time to pray. 1912. We all know what happened in 1912, the Titanic. I've always been fascinated with reading everything I can about the Titanic. I have so many magazines and articles. The Titanic made her maiden voyage, and you know what happened. We've heard it so many times as the ship that they said that God could not even sink. And as they started off that night, they went on their journey. On a Sunday night here in the United States, a woman got so overwhelmed with the need of prayer. She said, I just must go to prayer. My husband's aboard that great ship, and I don't know why, but God, you're just pressing me to pray. And she prayed for an hour. Lord, I think everything's fine. I don't know of anything. And prayed for two and began to pour her heart out for God at three hours and four hours and five hours. About five in the morning, she ceased to pray because it seemed like the Spirit of God said, it's going to be okay. At that exact moment, her husband was sucked into a whirlpool on the Titanic and went down and was drowning. And somehow, at the exact point when she had peace, he came up. When he came up, he grabbed a boat, and unfortunately, the lifeboat was filled at one time, undoubtedly with people that were trying to survive, and it apparently flipped over, and he grabbed onto that and was saved. And as they compared their stories, the exact time when God gave her peace to go to bed was the exact moment he was saved. I wonder when we get to heaven what miracles we're going to hear about. For this country we're praying for, for souls, and at that very hour, we were praying for their Sunday morning service. Oh, it was Saturday night here, but it was Sunday morning, noon there. And we're going to find out, I got saved that Sunday morning. 
My life got changed. I wonder what prodigal's gonna come back to God. I wonder through all this, what person that's in jail and incarcerated now is gonna get back and right with God. I'm out of time. I wanna give you, in closing, three suggestions so that we won't cease to pray. One, find a place of prayer. Find a place of prayer. I've already suggested to you some places I like. Find a place to pray. When Bobby Robertson one time was talking to me, he said, you know, Brother Jack, I, I drive to all these meetings, but I don't tell my people I'm going back to this holler over here, going over here, or I'm three hours or four hours. And they said, Brother Bobby, I'll drive you. He goes, I love my people. But he said, it gives me opportunity to speak with God. And I've never really traveled with people in my car. All the miles I've traveled up and down this state of California, I've always traveled alone. If I had to drive home from Los Angeles through the night so I'd make it in the morning by the time the kids were getting up, I'd go by myself and I could talk to God and I could sing and I could pray. Find a place of prayer. Where's your place of prayer? Do you have a place? Do you have an altar? I think one of you men, I think you, Pastor Cooper, wrote a book on altars and how important it is to find an altar. Uh, Abraham found Bethel, the house of God, and at that stone, he made it a house of God. He made it a place of prayer. Oh, how we ought to have a place of prayer. Secondly, we ought to have a time for prayer, a period of time. Psalm 55 says this, evening and morning and at noon will I pray. Oh, I ought to have a place of prayer. We ought to have a time of prayer. And then I'll say lastly, we ought to find a plan of prayer. I've modeled my prayer life after Jesus' prayer in John 17. Not our Father which art in heaven, but as Jesus prayed first for himself. You'll see it in that text. He prayed for himself. The largest pages of prayer requests in my prayer journal, page after page, is for a man by the name of Jack Treber. He's first on my list. I want to be a man of God before I'm a good husband. Now, wait a minute. I don't want to be a pastor before I'm a husband. I want to be a man of God. My wife deserves to live with a man of God, and it, it, it hurts me how many times I've failed in that. She needs a man of God. This church needs a man of God. Your home needs a man of God. And I'd say, model that Jesus prayed. He prayed for himself, and then he prayed for those that knew him. And those that knew him, he prayed that God, and oh, there's so many, your children, your grandchildren, your, their mates. You can pray for, for staff members. You can pray for deacons. You can pray for missionaries. You can pray, uh, pray for the backsliders. You can pray for the military people that you have. You can pray for political people. You can, you can pray for people that are uh, business owners. You can pray for those that are widows and widowers. I think a page, I'm just going through my mind, page after page after page in my notebook that I'm praying for this group and this group. And you can pray for those uh, that are graduates of, uh, I pray for those that are graduates of our school that are on mission fields and those that are graduates behind pulpits that are preaching the word of God and those are our youth pastors that are preaching and teaching the word of God and those that are serving God. All the, it's endless, all the saved people. We can pray for the choir and we can pray for the orchestra and we can pray for this little family and these people that are expecting children and we can pray for the sick in our church and they'll go, uh, it's, just a, a, it's just mammoth what we could pray for, for the saved. And then Jesus said, I pray for them that know me not. And I get to that area and I look at the people that I'm praying for that are lost. 
and unsaved. Men ought always to pray. Men ought always to pray. I, 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 don't, I, I don't know about how you should feel all these hours. Many of you are working from home. I know that. And it's a busy life. But I would not just fill your life with pumping iron. And there's probably nothing wrong with working out. And I would not spend your life in these days with just a, a lot of video games. And you must be getting cabin fever. Some of you are literally shut in nationwide and worldwide. And I, I don't fault you for all that you decided to do. But I plead with the people of God. We're going to have to have you pray. You see these men that have helped this morning. You'll see a people tonight that have helped with the service. And you don't see the people behind the internet and the cameras and the sound men right now. But they need prayer. The little boys and girls are learning how to do the Christian school or home school for the first time, uh, learning to do public school the first time online at home. You pray for those teachers. Oh, our teachers had a heavy, heavy load. All the videotaping this week and all the things they're doing, all the daily work and all the daily assignments coming through the internet. Our college family, we've been videoing classes and I have so many more to video this week and get them all done, get them online so these students, we're not gonna allow them not to graduate. And that's a prayer request of mine. I don't know how long it's gonna go, but I can tell the people of North Valley Baptist Church there will be somehow I'm not saying breaking the law. I don't know if it's a year from now. I don't know what it has to, but there will be a kindergarten graduation. I promise you that we'll do, and we'll do it legal. I'm not suggesting illegal. We'll, we'll get those kids graduated. They've already got their little gowns. They've already got their little caps. I saw one of my little granddaughters uh, already tried it on. We'll get her a graduation. We'll get all those kids a graduation. We'll, we'll get those eighth graders a graduation. We'll get that high school senior class. Oh, what a class. Call the young people all going to Bible class. We'll get you all 23, 4, whatever it is. We'll get you a graduation. College students, you worked four years, brother Sloan, for a graduation. We'll get it to you. But we're gonna have to pray. I have to pray for the survival financially of all these institutions, the college, we have no income. Our schools, our churches, and I'll always to pray. Lord, as we pray this morning, I, I don't want to come across as the great example. I wish it could. God, you know I've tried all these many years pastoring this church, I've tried to be a man of prayer. I wish I would have prayed more. But all of us are being driven to our knees. I've been driven to my knees. I've been driven to my bicycle just to drive on the ride on, uh, on the salt flats and pray. And I pull over and I pray. I've been driven to my automobile to pray. And I've been driven to walk around the property to pray. And my study in my office, oh dear God, 
I'm so burdened that America would learn to pray. I'm so burdened that I would learn to pray. Help me not to faint. This, this church, this country needs me to pray along with these men of God and the women of God of this church. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.